0: Oh, here's your okay. is here is Mrs. Clinton. here. Hi, how you Oh, oh sure, yeah. I know you. I'm tall there. Can you hold that seat, George, please? Hold the seat to you, okay. No, because yeah, women sit women's there. Oh, I see. you want to sit closer? No, I want the get to sit there. Oh. Yeah. oh. Okay, sure we it, okay. Okay. okay, I can certainly hold it so can so Okay. I did okay. not I, 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 I did not know, I didn't know for Okay, a okay. month now. I'm <coughs> not I'm not i not i I'm Okay, good evening. Practicing different kinds of openings It's cold. It's cold today. Yeah. You need the heat huh? No, everybody, everybody threatened that there wouldn't be a winter this year. I guess they were wrong. Tov. So, uh, the page, the Pasha is Chaye uh, Salaam. Dr. Green, are you with me? Yes, sir. Okay, great. There's a request on uh. my left that you should speak up. That what? There's a request my left, on my left that you should speak up. I should speak up. I'll tell you what. You stop my cough. And I will speak up. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting so that I feel that it's part of me. <laughs> you know, I don't feel annoyed at all about it. Okay. The is Sarah. The first pasuk in the parasha says, Were you Chaye Sarah I Sarah lived. V'ashana ashana ve 20 sana she lived to be 127 years old the second pasuk is atamot sarah kiyat arba hi hebron we all know that this kiyat arba hebron we don't know how that started we know how it is today hebron be eretz by Avro Avraham, lispoed lisarab elipkota, he came to do these two things: Lispod, a hesped, a eulogy, velipkota, and to cry over her body, or the fact that she was that she was dead. Okay, Rashi. Rashi says, "Vayucha yisarab elyasharav esrim sharav eshevashanim." Lakach <laughs> nikhtav sarah bechol klal uklal. It was Rashi is relating to the sentence structure, not to its meaning, but just to the way that it is laid out for us. And it says in the Pasuk, beyashana, Shana, Vesrim Shana, Shanim. So there's a kind of extreme use of the word Shana. Back to Rashi, Shekol Echad Nidrash La'atzmo. So Rashi says that each of these numbers, I mean, you could say 127, that's all the numbers together, but it could be that the numbers are meaningful, each and every one of them. Right? We also, I mean, that, that's reasonable, isn't it, so yeah. far? Mm-hmm. Ba me'a, bat mea, bat kibat esrim lechet. When she was a hundred, she was like bat esrim lechet, like uh, until you're twenty years old, you're not uh, given uh, a punishment, a punishment of karet, of being cut off from the the people. So she was kibat esrim, which might mean. She wasn't culpable. She wasn't going to be punished for anything. Something about her righteousness. She was righteous. Like we could say, you could argue that somebody who's less than 20 years old, this is what Rashi says that when you say bat you mean that there's no culpable sin Jarei bat on shim af bat me'a below so even when she was a hundred she also wouldn't be given a punishment of that kind because she was not guilty of anything so it's like a big compliment then finally Rashi says bat kivat when she was 20, she was like a seven-year-old, lyofi. Okay, I'm not sure exactly what kind of Yofi Rashi is talking about, but let's, let's give it to Rashi. Rashi says, Batsheva lyofi, little children are more beautiful than their adult comp- uh, counterparts. Okay. Um... The last part of Rashi, Shnei Chaye Sara. Kulan Shavin Litova. All the years of, of uh, Sarah were good. They were good years. She did good things. I mean, we, we know that Sarah had a uh, less than a clear position. On the one hand, she was a prophetess, she directed Avraham in certain cases, but her, adult to Yish- her attitude to Yishmael seems to us to have been a little bit harsh, you might say. I mean, after all, Asav, who is we will see, was a lot uh, more uh, problematic, a personality than Yishmael, was not treated like Yisrael, like his mother Rivka, did not uh, deny him access, really, to the father. Even though she uh, had to do something that was very uh, strange, she had to do something. So, so Rashi, Rashi explains this strange usage, right? Me'ashana, asimshana, shanim, uh, for the purpose of a drash, right? Rashi is of the opinion that extra words or uncomfortable kinds of sentence structure leads us to, always, always leads us to <coughs> something uh, more than you think. More than you think. So that the spade that Avram Avinu may have given for Sarah is in the first Pasuk, according to Rashi. And just to say, instead of saying, that's the Hesped. That's the Hesped. She was the most wondrous person. She was uh, like uh, a like hundred. She was like twenty. She was like seven. What could I say more about Sarah than those words? So Rashi sticks to his position, which is that the art-centered structure has to be uh, uh, revealed, has to reveal something, has to tell us something. That's what he says. (coughs) So in this context, it's important to look at the Ramban. It's the Rabban here on the sheet. Mayat shana v'shim shana le shon Rashi. La kach shana bechol klal u klal. The reason the word shana is repeated again and again. Lo shekol echad nidrash la In order that we should know that each of these numbers, so each of these years, has a special meaning. Nidrash la Right? It also says that when num- uh, giving the number of yeah. Abraham's yeah. life, the Ramban says, this Rashi is simply not correct it's misleading it's un uh, it's unnecessary why sharei yishmael right when the torah summarizes the life of yishmael me'emar ki shnei chayei abraham That that is sort of like the same as abraham veloha yushavim how could you say that Yishmael equals Abraham? And Abraham was certainly a person of great significance, which Yishmael was not. And they were not equal in goodness. They were not equal in the goodness that they did. Basat Shuvah, Basov. Okay, Rabban says, I, I, I have to agree with Chazal, who said that Yishmael started out as a bad guy, but he did shuva. He did shuva, right? Yishmael came with uh, his brother to bury his father, and, uh, and, and we know that from, from, from Chazal, that he did shuva, that he, uh, Yishmael did shuva. The oaths, furthermore, Kishana Shana And we know that Khazal say that the reason the word shana appears is to to distinguish a hundred and twenty and seven Aval But it certainly doesn't come to tell you that Abraham and Yishmael were equal. In some way. This is like the, the Ramban says, this is like a reasonable sentence structure for biblical Hebrew. That sounds good, doesn't it, to be it that way? But if, if, uh, if you say it regular, so they just mean it's regular, according to the Ramban. It's very common to put in the word shana to divide up the, the the hundreds from the tens from the ones, right? the reason the drusha appears the drusha that, that rashi quoted the reason that the drusha appeared was uh uh, just why was these extra words? It's only because when you look at the pasuk, the pasuk says, And then another phrase, What do you need that phrase for? That's certainly unnecessary. But I, mean, I already know she was 127 years. I, always, I already know that that is her age when she died. So why do you have to tell me that this is Shnei Chaye So that's what Chazal were concerned about. Not what Rashi says, Shnei Chaye that Rashi says that Shana, Shana, Shana is the issue. But it's Shnei that is the issue. Sheikalam. V'hishva v'lo v'Avraham. Okay, this is only something that happens here. It doesn't say when uh, when the the years of Abraham I mentioned, they don't make this drasha. So they only make the drasha because it says sarad. The repetition is what makes it. Uh, <coughs> now. About this pasuk, there is a very interesting Medrash. There's a very interesting Medrash, and the Medrash appears squeezed in here. See, Breshit Rabbah, Pashat Chayei Sarah, Nunchet, Siman There's this amazing Medrash, which goes as follows mm-hmm. Rabbi Akiva, Haya Doresh. Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is not, uh, he's not even in the category of a regular Tanna. Rabbi Akiva is the best of the best, right? Extreme. Extreme, even though he had a rocky start in his life, he turned out pretty well. He turned out pretty well. So now if you think of Rabbi Akiva is giving a drasha, like somebody totally put up a sign in Rehavia that uh, Rabbi Akiva will darshan, on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock in this shul. Was anybody going to miss out on that? Nobody. They're all going to be there. Everybody in the world. But when Rehkiva was speaking in, in Rechavia, he might have been, Yoshevi Doresh V'Azibur Minamne. He was darshaning, he was teaching. That means he was teaching. Right? Torah. At the Tzibur, they're all asleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all say, how could that be? How could it be that they're all asleep? I mean, to me, it happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But no one ever (laughs) asked that question. Everybody understands why they go to sleep. But here's Rabbi Akiva telling people what the Torah wants of them. They came. They came to the Dresha because, I guess, they thought it would be good but it turned out to be problematic, and they all went to sleep. B'keish Oriran. So Rabbi Akiva was not uh, was not a person who uh, didn't understand realities, and he thought that he should say something that would wake them up. B'keish Oriran. He wanted to wake them up. Amar, Mara ata ester she al sheva hesrima b'yabedina. He says, how come it says in Migilat Esther that there were 127 midinot under the control of Achashverosh? And of course, he married Esther one way or the other, according to one sort of regulation or some other regulations, But she then became the Malka, the queen over these 127 Medinot. Maratai stashed him loch of Sheva Vesuvia Medina, Ella Tabo Esther, Shaita Bat Bita Shel Sarah. But Esther, as you know, or if you don't know, you know now, was the daughter of the daughter of Sarah. Sarah Imenu, Shaita Kufi Kafizayin, Betimloch. So now, here's Rabbi Akiva and he's saying, oh, he must have been teaching on Purim. must have been Purim. And he he said to the people who were all sleeping, he said, wake up sleepyheads. I want to tell you something that's really going to give you like a jolt. What was the jolt? That Esther was like Sarah. That Esther was like Now That could mean, <coughs> I mean, you suspect, you, the people sleeping, in my, my she'er. you suspect that Esther was not such a great personality. After all, she did things that regular Jewish women don't do. Right? She, she uh, had a relationship with chasvei rosh. We don't know much about Ahasuerus, but he was not one of the great people of the ancient world, right? He's not in the category of Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, you know, not at all. He was a Persian king, and she was his wife, and therefore was the Persian queen. And so Rabbi Akiva said, you think, you think that she's not such a big deal? But I can tell you, Rabbi Akiva said, that there's a remes, there's a hint in the text that indicates that she was a special person. Why? What's the hint? 127 medinot equals 127 years of Sarah, <coughs> which means that she was the daughter, the granddaughter, the great-granddaughter of Sarah in more ways than one. It wasn't just that she was younger and she was older, it wasn't just the, but the number, like her essence, the essence of, of Esther, the essence of Esther was that she was able, she was able to defend her people. right? She was able because she was the queen, and she had a certain, certain uh, power. and she used that power in a proper way. And so Rabbi Akiva said, so you see, you see she's a righteous, a righteous person, a righteous woman, and you have to give her honor. Now why Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Akiva thought that this medrash would be darash, this medrash would be something that would wake everybody up, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I used to think, I used to think... <laughs> It must be a better way to say that. I, I, in the olden days, I thought that this was a kind of a milta tebedichuta. You know, the Gemara says that when you teach, it's good to start off with a joke. You ever hear, that was not Johnny Carson. That's in the Gemara. Right? You should start off with a joke. Now, why should you start off with a joke? Because people take to jokes more than they take to Torah. Even to Torah, so if you start off with a joke, you got them. You know they they're always going to sitting there wide awake, waiting for the next joke, which either will come or it won't come. But you know that's uh, that's sort of like the way it's done, the way it should be done. And in Aramaic that's called milta devedichuta. You should say a funny word, word as in Yiddish, like you say a vort, not a single word, but like a Bunch of words. Milta. <coughs> so I thought, in the olden times, I thought that that's what the Rabbi Akiva was doing. He was saying something that people would laugh at, which would wake them up. But then I found it difficult. I found it, I mean, personally, I find it, I used to go to the yeshiva, we used to go every year to Tzvat. And uh, daven, we davened in Braslov, uh, uh, Shachris in the morning, at night also, but in the morning we'd have in, in Brussels because I liked it. So I always went there. And so in the morning they had a very nice Kiddush, and uh, the whole yeshiva was invited always, and uh, they asked me to give a, a vote, to speak at the Kiddush. And it was always the same. It was always the same, the, the talk I gave. Not that the talk was not the same, but the, the, what happened was always the same. I would quote a pasuk from the parasha. I would quote a pasuk from the parsha, and then I would tell them what Rashi said. By that time, they were all asleep. Everybody in the room was asleep. And then I would, I would, I would say, and there's a problem with this Rashi. So if, if you could be more than just asleep, now they were more than just asleep. Then I would say, and Rabbi Nachman solved the problem in this way. Everybody's awake. <laughs> Everybody's awake. You know, they all, all wanted to know. They wanted to know. So that's what I thought. I thought Rabbi Akiva was going to tell them something that they really wanted to know. And that would be a way of waking them up. And what they really wanted to know was what was special about Esther. What was special about Esther? So she was special because she was like Sarah Imenu. There's something about Esther which is the same as Sarah Imenu. So, let's look at the next source. The next source is a Mishnah in Avot, Perkim al Akiva ben Mahalel Omer, Just keep focus on these three things that I'm going to tell you and you won't uh, be uh, you won't do any uh, Averot, any transgressions. You should know remember always where you came from where you're going to and then the Mishnah explains itself explains Akavya ben Mahalalel. And the explanation is this, Ma'ayin bata Miti like where does everybody come from? Just a drop uh, uh, a with a bad, a bad smell. La'an atah think where you're going. You're going to be buried in the ground and you'll disintegrate and you'll be with the worms and the well, if they, then certainly you should consider who you're going to be judged by in the future. So you have a kind of, a, you know, not that exciting, such an exciting start, and you have a less exciting end, and in between you're going to be judged. I mean, it really sounds like this is a tough, there's no time here for fun. But in any event... If you look at the Rabbeinu Yona, you see the, the 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 third wide line, the Sof Miata Te Atid Liten Din B'Chesbon. You see that line? Yes. Difne Miata Atid Liten Din B'Chesbon. Shainivraim Lo Nivruu Ach Lirat Hashem. That those who are created—that's us—were created only to. Fear God. He says, How could a person ever commit a sin if he had in mind the fact that he's going to be judged by a Kodesh Bokhu? Because the idea of being judged by a Kodesh Bokhu is that nothing is hidden, you can't, you can't fake it, you can't have nothing to say. Right to say God knows everything about you and what you've done. Viva te alapur anut vanisayon shayalo alchetaav ki yit bayesh boshe gado. And he will uh, relinquish the, the bad things and the, the tests that he will go through in, uh, in life because of his sins. That's the word that Rabbi Yonah thinks explains what this Mishnah is talking about. It's talking about Bushah. This is similar to a king. Talking about a king. A person comes to visit him. Im mirameh bema'asav o mishaker if he is mirameh uh, he is uh, what does that mean deceitful what Cheating. deceitful oh deceitful oh, good let's go back to the English <laughs> to, yeah. to get a word in English it could mean maybe it's a bema'asav o mishaker d'varav alo yitvayesh be boshit gado. gadol Allah kama come of a camel if name Melech Malcheam Lachimakadosh Baruchu Gabi it by Yesha Nefesh. Nit Yesha Nefesh. The soul itself will be embarrassed. Et she nit parda min haguf. Aboshet achaj nit parda min haguf. Even after the nishama, the nefesh. Has separated itself from the body. Aboshet ahi gudola mehaboshet baodena shama. V'gam ki lo yishkach me it will not be forgotten from his heart. Yadavar yashan noshan. Behusra khsat habusha. He says, because after a while, even if you did something wrong, you, know, and you and you felt embarrassed at being discovered, but eventually you forget about it. and the embarrassment disappears a little. Kiteva it's natural that forgetfulness. mit im nefesh, that the forgetfulness that that applies to the body teva It gets mixed in with the nature of the nefesh, of the soul. And you can't, it, it's never forgotten entirely. And then if you're reminded of it, then you understand that you remember it very clearly al kol panim yitgaber alav lehityasheyn ha-davar he says he says nevertheless yitgaber alav lehityasheyn ha-davar it 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 becomes old and un- unused shehu kitzat ha-shikicha that's a little bit of forgetfulness shemasir rov ha that gets rid of most of the embarrassment ach Akadish Bokhu la olam la olme Ata ta amod is forever, remembers everything, and that busha always exists, Motasha Shaita Omedet medet le mahu ta amod me la olam. Vizesha murazal oila. This is what Khazalme said when they meant when they said, Oyla Lota Busha. Uh, this is it's terrible to have this kind of busha. Oila lota klima, klimah and busha the same thing. Lachain <laughs> al kolpanim a male al libotvarim aile lo yavoli de avira. So what the 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 uh, uh Rabbeinu Yona is distinguishing between my natural self, my life, and Olam Haba. He says, in your natural life, you can't really blot things out. You could sort of forget them, you could sort of like you know not be involved with them. You can make believe that it never happened, but you actually remember it. That if, some, if you get a somebody encourages you to remember, or somebody encourages you, you'll remember. But this is not uh, this is true, this is true because you are in some way always standing before God. And standing before God is like remembering. It's like remembering everything that ever happened. Okay, that's the Rebbeinu Yonah. Now, there are two more Psukim that I want to look at. Right, you see the Pasuk Breshit Parakut Chet Tet. It says in the Pasuk. It says in the Pesach, yeah. Where is Sarah? Hinei and, Ba'ol and Chazal say that this proves that Sarah was Tsnua. Right? It was, uh, the angels came and they wanted to tell Sarah something. And uh, she should have known. She was a prophetess. She would have known that they're coming to tell her something as well, and she should have been there. Instead, she was not there, and the angels had to ask, where is, ask Abraham, where is Sarah? So she was acting out her notion of tsniut, And her notion of tsniut was that she should not be available to men, even if the occasion warranted it that she should have been available. <coughs> the last, we'll look at the Rashi in a minute, but the last Pasuk that is quoted on the page, Esther Pasuk I remember Esther, she was in the beauty contest. That is, that's what people say. Bat HaMelech, She didn't ask for anything. She didn't want to be made up. She didn't want to, I guess, you know. But she only took what Hegai, who was Siris HaMelech, he was an officer of the king, in charge of the women, Shomer Right. Whatever he said, she should use whatever kind of cosmetics, I guess, that she should use, so she used them. But she didn't ask for anything. She didn't ask for anything. Obviously, the others, other women who were in the context, contest did ask. Mm-hmm. So yes, Esther was uh, without this extra advantage, without this uh, idea of extra cosmetics. She was no say cheyne. She was appreciated by all those, all those who saw her. Now, if you put these two psukim together, right? It would seem, with the drasha, with the drasha of Chazal, it would seem that Sarah was Tsnua and uh, Esther was tsnuah. So, this is generally, this is generally the explanation. What is the connection? Why is it that Rabbi Akiva was able to connect Sarah to Esther? On what on what level? I mean, Sarah was Abraham's wife and very important to the Jewish people, but she was a queen. She was she was sorry, She was not a queen, and uh, and Esther was something totally different. But Chazal say, Chazal say, there's a possible the Torah which asks, where is where is Sarah? So Sarah's in the in the tent. Where is Esther? Where's Esther? She also is uh, uh, very modest in her demands. So according to Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Akiva, e- Esther was the great granddaughter of Sarah because she had a quality that made her Sarah-like. And that quality that she had was called sniyut <coughs> That's that's what Ghazal that's what Chazal said. That, that, uh, that it's sniyut that brought them together. Right? Sniut brought them together. Hello? Uh, yes. Now exactly, I just wanted to, I wanted to mention I wanted to mention that Sniut Sniut <coughs> is probably it's yeah. <coughs> probably connected to Bushah. Yeah, <coughs> the Busha that the Busha that uh Yona is talking about. Bushah, Busha, as you know, was created in the Garden of Eden. Right, in Gan Eden, when the Adam and Chava found themselves uh, in an unreasonable position. It was before they found themselves in the unreasonable position, there was no such thing as Busha. bushah didn't exist. They were, they were like animals. I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean that. Hmm. But the animals in the wild, they don't have, <coughs> have Busha, usually. I know there's some animals that seem to have busha, but generally speaking, they don't have busha. Adam and Chava Chava had busha, and they had to get dressed. They had to get dressed because they saw that they were somehow out of place, out of place in the world. And it could be, (coughs) without uh, trying to define it uh, technically, like what, what exactly it means to have to be There, There's no difference between men and women when it comes to the desire to be integrated in a world that was not mm-hmm. Right, The world that was not Tzanua, the world that was not Tzanua was a challenge to Adam and Chaba, and apparently Esther and, and Sarah face the same kind of challenge. And according to the according to the Rabbeinu Yona, according to the Rabbeinu Yonah, what they had to what you have to avoid is bushah, because bushah contaminates you. You never get rid of it. You never get rid of the busha. It follows you around and uh, when when Hu desires to make you aware of your sins, right? that's what that's what Yonis says, so it it uh, it produces busha. you feel that you're not in the right place at the right time, that you haven't it was even if if this feeling was dormant for a long time, even if you haven't necessarily come out in favor of of yourself, right. But the busha, according to Rabbi Yon, is there. It's like a festering sore, and eventually, Hakadosh Baruch Hu lets it out, lets out. So that's why Chazal said, "Pikad sniut." That's why Chazal picked that Sniyut because sniut is the the one midah, the one uh, kind of uh, function that we have, which makes us appropriate for the world in which we find ourselves for the world in which we live right we have to overwhelm we have to overwhelm this bushah and even though the bushah is very very little and contracted nevertheless it can explode and, and destroy our connections to uh, to the real to the real world so i think that this may be what rabbi akiva was talking about he wanted to tell the people that Esther and Sarah were similar in that they were both trying to find a place for themselves in the world of Busha. And uh, that's, what, that's what Avraham Avinu was saying when he came, uh, le le that, that Avraham Avinu knew there was something to say. That there was something to say about Sarah that you couldn't say about others. She was the first one. She was the first one who, uh, who represented the victory over Busha. Victory over Busha, which started in the time of, of Adam and Chavon. I know that it was a, a victory, because after all, it says in the Torah that Adam and Chaba tried to dress themselves but eventually they had to let HaKadosh Baruch dress them. You remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so that indicates that in case, again, as with many things, that if you try to do something you'll be supported by heaven. The Gemara says that many times on different, on different topics, that if you try if you try to improve yourself, you try to do tshuva, you try to go the right way that in heaven you will be supported and, uh, and accepted. So that the real, uh, the real vision of, uh, of Sarah and uh, Esther was the vision of these women who were tsnuot. They were able to overwhelm their desire to be a part of the real world, so to speak, and part, be part of a world of their own creation, which is a world of busha, but not the kind of busha that does you in, the kind of busha that keeps you going. And so, uh, how you explain the medrash remains a, me- a mystery, right? The medrash is Rabbi Akiva, they were all dreaming, and he told them this. He told them that Sarah and... And, uh, <coughs> and Esther <coughs> was similar. I guess, as a result, uh, after hearing that good news, uh, he figured that everybody would be interested in continuing the, the shear. But we're going to stop now. <laughs> okay. Have a good shower <laughs> Okay) What? what is it? You're going to come back to this Rashi. Oh, just wait one more minute. There's a minute. I just don't want. I the Rashi is important. You see the Rashi. I'm sorry. Thank you. love The angel said, "Where is Sarah, your wife?" Vayomer he oil. She's in the she's in the tent. Now the Rashi says this, Mm -hmm. Nakud al-alef yudvav shebe Right? You see the word elav in the the Pesach? Vayemu elav. The word elav is is spelled Aleph lamed yudvav. Mm -hmm. Yes, you with me? Yep. Aleph lamed yudvav. Mm -hmm. Nakud, Rashi. Nakud al-alef yudvav shebe elav. Now if you look at the Sefer Torah, the kind of Sefer Torah you read from in Shul on Shabbos, you'll see that there's a dot on the letter Aleph, on the letter Yud, and the letter Vav. Three dots. That They're not punctuation dots. They're just dots. Right? They're part of the Sefer Torah itself. Rabbi Shimon ben there's a Brita Rabbi Shimon ben Al-Azhar, Rabba al Atadoresh Aktav. He says whenever a word has a dot on it, if there are more letters without a dot than there are letters with a dot in that word, then you darshin the letters that don't have the letters come first. I'll say it again. Okay. You have a word. Like here we have Elah. Mm-hmm. Four letters. It's a four-letter word. Three of the letters have dots on them. And the fourth letter doesn't. So that means to us, that's a hint to us, that we should think carefully about the letters that have a dot on them. The Aleph, the Yud, and the Vav. Aleph, Yud, and Vav have, let, have dots on them. Mm-hmm. So, V'kana nekudah rabbal haktav, nekudah So what's the drusha? Mm -hmm. So this according to Rashi. Rashi says, the reason that these dots are there are to remind us that the word has a special meaning. Not a regular meaning, but a special meaning. Uh, There's another meaning to that word. Right, like the word Aleph Lamed Yud Vav means a love." To him, the angels asked him, Abraham, "What's going on?" But we just said that you know there's another possibility, and that is there's an Aleph Yud Vav. That's a Hebrew word, Aleph Yud Vav, which is Yom. "Ayo." Where is he? Where is he? Not where is she? So the, the Gemara says, She'af Sarah, Sha'alu ayo Avraham. They also ask Sarah, where is he, Avraham? Lamadnu she'ish'al adam b'achsanya she'lo le'ish'al ha'ish'a or le'ish'al ha'ish. says we learned the great principle here and the principle has to do with t'sniyut. That you should ask, you want to ask about a woman, ask her husband. You want to ask about a man, ask his wife. That's what, that's what Rashi says. Ki ish. Okay? So in other words, in this pasuk, you have another principle that concerns Sniut, which is hidden in the pasuk. Like the regular explanation is... They said to him, Where is your wife? And the hidden meaning is, They said to her, Where is your husband? Ah. Right? And that's also a category of tsliyut. It has something to do with <coughs> tsliyut. With okay. You get it? Yeah. It, it was, uh, for, Rashi, for Rashi, you have to understand, it was very simple. For Rashi to say that words had multiple meanings, that uh, that, uh, statements could be reorganized as questions or as answers, this was very reasonable for Rashi because it made sense to Rashi that the Torah could be interpreted in a variety of ways. That was what Torah meant. It was not just uh, a... A kind of interpretation, or or a certain interpretation, but interpretation was something that could be restated again and again, and that's why the Rashbam, as you know, Rashbam, who was Rashi's grandson, grandson. right, one of his many grandsons, but he wrote a commentary on the Torah, right, Mm -hmm. called Rashbam. So he wrote a commentary on the Torah. And in, that, in his introduction to that commentary, in the introduction to the commentary, he wrote that I want to write, I went to Rashi, my grandfather, to ask him permission to write this commentary because it might be seen as competitive or as in, impolite or unreasonable for the grandson to write a competitive commentary uh, sort of against his grandfather. So he went to his grandfather, Rashi, and he asked him, can I do this? And, but the way he said it was, the way he said it was, What I want to do, he said to his grandfather, I don't want to bother you what you've done. But there are new understandings that come up all the time. Of the of the psukim and the chumash, and I want to take note of them. I want to write them down. And Rashi said, "Fine, that's a good thing to do." And that's why we have the perush of the Rashma, mm. which is not quite as extensive as Rashi, but which is very much similar in the case that in the, in the, in the instance that uh, new interpretation is derigur. I mean, it's like. That's what Torah is. Torah okay. lends itself to new interpretations. New interpretations, and, and, and you know, like there's this the team that is interpreting, and then there's the pushback team that says, No, you can't do that. But that's how it should be. That's how it should be. There should be the, the team of new interpretation and the team of pushback against new interpretation. And that's how we can weed out the really good new interpretations from the kind of imagined interpretations of, of some. So that's what, that's what Rashi learns from this word, Elav, which has three dots on it. You in the three dots, because it only has four letters. And the three dots are Ayo, Aleph Yudvav. Aleph Yudvav means where is he? And Rashi says, Rashi says that That teaches us at first that the angels asked her, "Where is he?" Meaning Avraham Avinu. And secondly, we learn a general rule that uh, if you want to know about the wife, you ask the husband. You want to know about the husband, you ask the wife. A general rule. Okay. Okay.